Welcome to Outside the Walls. My name is Casey. And I'm Mark. It is good to have you with us. This is our final episode of the season. Welcome. Yeah, it has been a great season going through the Sermon on the Mount. If you're new to this podcast, we're based out of the West Side Church of Christ in Searcy, Arkansas. And this particular season of the show is uh, reflecting on, diving deeper into the sermon series that we're going through right now called One Sermon That Changed the World. Uh, which is a series that we've been going through on the Sermon on the Mount. And so this last Sunday, the sermon title was Practice Makes Perfect. And it was the concluding sermon of the series. And so we're excited to dive into that and and to, to conclude this this particular season. And so if you have any questions or comments about the show, we welcome you to email us, podcast at wschurch.net. And we'd love to interact with you. There, if you were unable to listen or watch the sermon from this past week, we would invite you to our Facebook page, and also you could look it up on YouTube. Our YouTube channel would have the the cut video of just the sermon on there, and then also you can go to NathanGuy.com where he has not only the video of his sermon, but he also takes the audio and puts it into a podcast format so you can follow the podcast there. And also he has a bunch of resources that you can access, including one of the main resources that we've been using, which is a free ebook that you can download there. It's called Living the Sermon on the Mount. And so we welcome you to visit that page and see what other articles and and YouTube videos that he references and also books that were used in the the sermon series to kind of help beef that up. And so you can go there and check all those things out. And so today, what we like to do in these episodes is give you the objective of the episode, give you some of our key takeaways as the hosts, and then we'll go through some Q&A and wrap it up with a challenge. So Mark, you want to read for us what the objective of this episode is? Sure. The objective is to put the Sermon on the Mount into practice. All right. So this is, we're at the very end. Jesus is is wrapping up his sermon. And this is our 13th week doing this. It's ah. flown by. Yes, it has. It has. And so it's been it's been a joy to go through the Sermon on the Mount. So hopefully this has been something that you haven't just been listening to, but something you've been challenging yourself with. And that's the objective of this last episode is to send you off with one final challenge, one final kick in the pants, if you will, as, as we conclude the Sermon on the Mount. So we're in Matthew chapter 7. That's the last bit of the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to be reading verses 24 through 29 to conclude this chapter in the Sermon on the Mount. So Mark's going to read it for us. Here we go. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as no one who had or as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Ah, thank you very much. One of my favorite things that we did, Dennis Fant was our song leader Sunday, 
and he brought all the kids in the congregation up, or at least invited all of them. I'm sure there were some that were maybe a little shy to get up, but they all got up to the stage, and we all sang, The Wise Man Built His House on the Rock, which I thought was great. Yep. And all, <laughs> I looked around while they were doing it. All the adults were doing the moves, the hand yeah. movements too, so <laughs> yeah. it was fun. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think if you watch the video, I don't think we panned out to no. see the whole stage. I don't know how well you can hear it. I haven't gone back to see how it uh, sounds, but so I guess it was one of those things you had to be there, but yeah. listening to the podcast, you can imagine how cute that was. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did your boys come up? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Probably mainly because I prodded them up there. They would have probably gone up anyway, but I was asked to somewhat be up there for crowd control. <laughs> yes. So I, I kind of you know, drug them up there with me, but no, they, they weren't resisting at all. They were they were excited to go up there, especially with a such a famous song as that. <laughs> yeah. I, I had to work on my son. I had to tell him several times to go up. I said, you, you need to be an example to all the younger kids. And I think that's what convinced him to oh, okay. say, oh, okay, yeah, there, you so. there you go. Okay. <laughs> All right. So first thing we'll do is jump into some key takeaways from each of us. So Mark, you want to give us some of your takeaways? Sure. I liked at the beginning of Nathan's sermon, he talked about preparation. He gave examples of an Olympic athlete and a famous basketball player, Michael Jordan. Unfortunately, I can't remember the Olympic athlete. She was a swimmer. I don't yeah. keep up with swimming sports as much. I can't remember either, but it was an iconic photo of Michael Jordan. Yes. I mean, one that you see just about everywhere. I think he that was one of his like dunks from the free throw line. Yes. So. Yep. <laughs> so he was talking as far as sports goes, but I think the whole point was we can use this in our daily lives in dealing with our own situations. But preparation involves knowing the other team's capabilities which I think of as Satan and the evil forces at work. Hmm. The more you're prepared for it, the better you'll be at it. Preparation takes hard work and sacrifice. Mm. Yeah. So when we're preparing to deal with difficult situations, with maybe sin, things like that, that we need to be prepared for it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes me think, you know, in your takeaway, playing sports – I hated practice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I almost didn't play some of the sports I played in high school because I just could not stand the practices. But what got me back into it, other than like encouragement from my parents, but thinking about game time. Yeah. Like, and that's what that's what drove me back into it. It's like, ah, I can I guess suffer through the practices because I really enjoy playing the game and so <laughs> Yeah. I I had asked my parents when I was younger that when I was a kid, why didn't they keep me doing certain sports? Mm -hmm. And their reasoning was, well, because you didn't practice. Nah, like, yep. <laughs> like soccer, you know, they were like, yes, you went to the soccer practice and you played in the games, but you didn't play at home and practice. Right. But like baseball I would or basketball yeah. I would. Uh -huh. And so they were kept me in those sports for longer because they saw me trying outside of the required yeah. practices. Yeah. So with that practice – he also mentioned that, I guess, scientists say it takes 66 days to develop a habit. For some, it takes up to eight months. Pra oh, sorry, eight months. Practicing a habit takes intention intentionality. So if we want to make a habit of something to get prepared to deal with all these life situations, we need to make a habit of it. Yeah. And it takes some work. Which so that 66 days, I think, was even an increase from what was originally thought. I think they originally thought it was like three weeks or something like yeah, that to create a habit. And, 
And then they decided it was much longer than that. So that was very interesting. Yep. So with that developing habits, we can develop positive habits and we can develop negative habits. So we have to be careful. One of the statistics that was read was 26 million Americans stopped reading the Bible during COVID. That's shocking. That is. That's almost 10%. Yeah. Because we have just over 300 million, 330-something million, I think, in the U.S., and 26 million stopped. That's crazy. And you would think that people were stuck at home during COVID, that maybe more people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is weird also because 77% of Americans have a Bible. Mm. And when asked, I guess this was a survey that was taken, do you read the Bible outside of a church service three to four times a year? Only 39% said yes. Wow. Mm. So that's only picking up your Bible once a season outside of a church service. Yeah. And 39% of people said that's all they do. Mm. Wow. And get this, the average adult spends three hours and 15 minutes on their phone, which two and a half of that is on social media every single day, and another two hours watching television every single day. <laughs> Man. Yeah. That that's that was kind of shocking to me when he said that, but then I look at my day and I think, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. It's, it might yeah. be kind of close to that, yeah. which is something I'm working on. Well, I gotta say, my my nine year old son, he's very math minded, and so there's a pie chart to uh, illustrate all these stats that you're talking about, and and so it immediately caught his attention uh, just seeing the the divisions, and at the end that last pie chart that showed all the divisions and just a little sliver of of church he looked at me he said that's really small <laughs> so it doesn't take a mathematician to realize that that is shockingly small number yeah, yep. <laughs> i guess he's a miniature mathematician <laughs> yeah but he, technically speaking he was correct mm-hmm. <laughs> this was neat the sermon on the mount is saying more than or something other than practicing all the right things the right way, mm-hmm. which is how I think the sermon is read by a lot. Mm-hmm. And I've read it that way too. Yeah. Because yep, too. it's like you want to you create that list and check the things off yep. the list. Mm-hmm. So if you view the Sermon on the Mount as a list of rules or moral ideals, then you have a list, a list that you – or that if you achieve it, then you can say, I have done righteousness. Mm -hmm. But that misses the entire point. The Sermon on the Mount is a challenge to let God be God in every moment of our lives. Mm -hmm. I I think I hear some people say, or calling that doing religion. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We need to learn to practice the presence of God in our lives. So that preparation, that practice, that Habit that we want to create Mm -hmm. is practicing the presence of God in our lives. And this is something interesting as well. The rock that's talked about in this scripture and throughout the Bible when it's mentioned is not when we learn how to do everything right, but when we learn who is right, and Mm -hmm. that's Jesus Christ. Yeah. A few scriptures in Deuteronomy were mentioned Mm -hmm. about God being the rock. And here in the Sermon on the Mount, Paul mentions it, that the rock is Jesus. And we need to learn to see God in every detail of our life, which is kind of a fun thing to try to do. Mm -hmm. If you want to make it a habit, then you got to start somewhere. 
And so maybe try to make 10 minutes of your day, start off 10 minutes of your day, focusing everything that you do for God and then go from there. We only, or we'll only be able to see God at work in the big situations of life Mm -hmm. when we prepare ourselves to see God in the small situations. Mm -hmm. And we shouldn't hear Jesus telling us to change the way we do things, but to have a change of heart to what God wants. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. And the very last thing I have is most of our practice will not be doing more, but wanting less. Mm. Mm. So those are the takeaways that I got. What do you have, Casey? Yeah, that that last one, that's that's tough because I know maybe maybe this is differs culture by culture um, or maybe even family by family or person by person. But I definitely think that if I'm not doing something, then I'm less than adequate. Mm. Uh, most of our practice will not be doing more is what you said, but wanting less. I can't remember where I saw this. But I just recently saw this, I don't know where the proverb came out of, what culture it came out of, but I think it was like from some sort of um, monastery type culture. But the saying is, don't just do something, stand there. <laughs> so kind of opposite of what we would typically say, you yeah. know, don't just stand there, do something. <laughs> They're saying is, don't just do something, stand there. And, and you know, the, the thinking is, you know, just be still, be mindful. Yeah. Uh, uh, but anyway, so I shared a couple of the, the same key takeaways, but I guess one unique one came from Matthew seven twenty four, And I don't know that this was mentioned in the sermon. If it was, I, I just forgot. But this did come from the free ebook that you can download at NathanGuy.com. It's Matthew seven twenty four says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And so <laughs> the the book says, Jesus doesn't say whoever hears these sayings of mine and commits them to memory. He says, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them or puts them into practice. This means that Jesus expects us to live out the sermon on the mount. And I thought, ouch, <laughs> because I, I really enjoy the challenge, the process of Bible memory. And I don't think the purpose of this is, you know, to to diminish that yeah. spiritual discipline at all. But the point is, you know, anybody can memorize anything. Mm-hmm. And unless you allow it to uh, get into your heart and change you, then and actually, you know, lead you into doing something, and that is being more like God, then it's it's for nothing. And so, <laughs> that is a that is a constant prayer of mine that the things that I'm trying to put onto my heart through memory through just kind of engulfing myself in it that it won't just be just this cold distant practice just to say that I've done it but rather something that is actually molding me and changing me. Can I ask you something? Yeah, sure. Because Casey won't say this, but he has the entire sermon on the mount oh. memorized. But that being said, when you find yourself in a certain situation where something here that Jesus talked about would apply, does that scripture come to your head? Does yeah. that help you through those situations? Absolutely. It does, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with memorizing <laughs> scripture, but yes, you have to do it too. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's amazing how things will just come to your mind, even in 
conversations with people. And, uh, yeah, I, I, whenever it does pop into my head, I try not to, you know, make it some sounds like a calculated, like recitation of scripture. You know, I try right. and I try and if I think of something, try and work it into the natural flow of a conversation, but try and, you know, bless somebody with, uh, with, with scripture without necessarily saying, you know, book chapter and verse says this, you know, <laughs> but yeah, it does, it does come to mind. And, you know, I'm, I'm convinced that that's, that's part of how the Holy Spirit works is just mm-hmm. bringing God's words that we have on our hearts and minds to the surface whenever we need them. Yep. So absolutely. A second takeaway that I had was this quote, which is a, well, not a quote, but rather a book that he mentioned in the sermon called The Practice of the Presence of God, which you mentioned as one of your key takeaways is, is practicing the presence of God. But he actually referenced the, that's the title of a book and its focus was seeing God in the smallest details of life, which I thought was was very interesting. And and a quote from that is practicing the presence of God creates an environment that can withstand any storm. And so practicing the presence of God creates an environment that can withstand any storm. And so we'll come back to that quote a little bit later because I think it applies to one of our Q and A's. But yeah, just just practicing or noticing God's presence in those big things, mm-hmm. which I didn't know if I heard them incorrectly, but one of your key takeaways was just that. And you said, we'll only be able to see God at work in the big situations of life when we prepare ourselves to see God in the small situations. And I was yeah. thinking, whenever he said that, I was thinking, I would think that it would be opposite of that. I would think that it would be easier to see God's presence in the big things, mm. but you know, it's that it's that practice of noticing him in every small detail that I think his presence will be even more magnified in the big things. I think a lot of times we neglect seeing him in the small things, and mm-hmm. that's kind of the focus is focusing God's presence in those small things. And I I think about things that I've gone through in my life, and when I'm dealing with something big, uh, a lot of times God's not the first place I go. Mm-hmm. And it's probably because I hadn't practiced, you know, trusting in God on the small things yeah. that he's he's not my first thought. He becomes one of the last thoughts, unfortunately. All right. All right. But, yeah, I guess practicing those small things helps you keep him at the forefront of your mind in every single thing. So yeah. when you get to those big situations, you go to God first. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And so a couple of practical helps that kind of goes along with practicing the presence of God that I thought were were very helpful. One was the U, U version, which I I don't know if it's called that in the in the app store. I mean, that's the common name of the of the Bible app, U version. Yeah. But I know that my app icon of it is just simply Bible. Bible, but it's by U version. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, if you search the app store U version, I'm pretty sure that's probably the most downloaded Bible app yeah. uh, in the world. I mean, it's got not only several different languages, but just about every translation that you could want. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, it has several different features. And one of the things it has is guided prayer, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was a very um, helpful, practical tip on uh, just practicing the presence of God. You know, whenever you don't know what to pray, uh, it has several, you know, dozen prayer prompts that mm-hmm. you can kind of maybe prime the pump, if you will, for for a prayer. Another one of those helps was the Bible Project videos, which if you've never checked any of their videos out, they are very good. They're 
they're animated videos, and they have, I think, every book of the Bible. They have an overview video for each book of the Bible, and then they have a ton of different, like, mini-series that, mm-hmm. that they're doing. In fact, they just announced that in January, they're, I don't know if they're, like, transitioning to, like, an episodic platform on YouTube, but they mm-hmm. talked about a new series that they're doing in January, and they use the language of dropping episodes of the Sermon on the Mount. And so that's something to check out the Bible Project on YouTube, or you can go to their website, BibleProject.com. But so, yeah, that that would be a great resource, particularly for the Sermon on the Mount, because they're going to be doing a a series on the Sermon on the Mount. And so that'll be very interesting. (laughs) Another one of these practical helps was IPrayDaily.com. And then a final one was another app, Every Moment Holy app. And so Mm -hmm. that's an app that, you know, also gives some prayer thoughts and kind of has kind of a uh, I'll, the liturgical style of reading through the Bible. In other words, it uh, gives you a specific text to read each day. It's not just a Genesis to Revelation, you know, read through the Bible, but it's taking uh, specific texts from different portions of the Bible. And, and so I haven't looked into that one enough to know what the schedule is like in that in that every moment holy, but it also has like different prayers that that different individuals throughout church history have had written down and have been preserved and so could maybe help you in a specific time that you might need a a special prayer for and that would help give you some vocabulary for for prayers and so yeah go check that out too every moment holy app and that's in the i imagine it's on android as well but it's definitely in the apple app store Hmm. another takeaway the mention of three spiritual disciplines, which was in Matthew chapter 6, which I had never never really thought of this before, and you might remember some of the context of why the suggestion was that this references practicing all the spiritual disciplines. The mention of three suggests that you should practice all of them. And I, I couldn't remember. It seemed like he said something along the lines of if, you know, three obviously is a is a particular special number Mm -hmm. in scripture and and the mention of three suggests that it's more than just these these are just kind of examples of you know disciplines that you should be practicing yeah along with the others i know he mentions that when jesus says it he says you know when you pray when you Mm -hmm. fast when you give so it's not that he's saying suggesting you do this he's already expecting you to do these things right Yeah. yeah expecting you to do those things and one of the things that that I I know Mark did this in the in the dive deeper class on Sunday, so you might be able to speak to it a little bit more. But he he went through a lot of those spiritual disciplines, particularly the ones that are outlined in the book Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, and it's a book by author's name is Donald Whitney, and and we actually went through this on Coffee Time, mm-hmm. which is on our church's Facebook page, Westside Church's Facebook page. And so you could look that series up if you wanted to, but we went through each chapter. But this is just, this is not an exhaustive list of spiritual disciplines, but it is a great starter. It is a great handbook for kind of introducing us to the practice of spiritual disciplines. And so that would be a great place to start. And I thought that was a very interesting point that he made that these three that are mentioned in the Sermon on the Mount, prayer, fasting, and giving, is a suggestion that we need to be practicing spiritual disciplines at large in our in our life. I think one of the big things when we're talking about spiritual disciplines is to just remind everyone that practicing those spiritual disciplines is, aren't going to save you. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. But yeah. from what I, Donald Whitney says in his book, these things are almost essential into making you more spiritually mature mm-hmm. as a Christian. Yeah. And kind of the tagline that he puts as the title of each chapter, you know, he'll he'll say whatever the discipline is and then he'll tag it along with for the purpose of godliness, mm-hmm. which is the translation of the New American Standard version of 1 Timothy 4, 7. And so he, he, Paul says to Timothy, discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness. And so that is why we do spiritual disciplines, not as some way to have God bestow grace upon us because we're such good people or anything like that, but we're simply trying to be more like God. And so it's not a way to get into heaven. So thank you for pointing that out. And it's a good book if mm-hmm. you want to check it out. It goes through eight, nine Mm -hmm. different disciplines, and it talks about where in Scripture the uh, reference is found for each of these disciplines, and then it also gives you practical ways to practice them. Mm, And so it's something that you can use immediately after reading. Right. And it's not meant to uh, be read in one sitting, but spread it out, read one chapter, and then practice that, read the next chapter, practice that. That's for sure. And I will give this disclosure that it also, there is an also uh, workbook companion Mm -hmm. to it. And so if you are wanting to order this off of Amazon or ChristianBook.com, wherever you choose to purchase it, make sure that you're getting the book and not the workbook. <laughs> there was somebody that uh, came up to me. I, I used it in a in an adult Bible class a couple of years ago, and and somebody went and bought what they thought was the book, and what they received was the workbook. <laughs> they had no interest in it, and so <laughs> offered it to me. So I, I graciously accepted. But they went and you know got themselves the actual book. So if you are wanting to get it, just make sure that you're putting the book in your cart and not the workbook, unless (laughs) you want both of them, which is a good thing. But the workbook is meant specifically for that. I mean, there's a lot of blanks in it for you to actually fill in and write in and reflect upon. And so it's a good companion, but uh, yeah, definitely make sure you're getting the book. So the last takeaway that I wanted to bring out was a, a statement that was made in the beginning and at the close of the sermon, which is this. Show me your schedule, and I'll tell you what you aim to become, mm. which I thought was a very challenging thought and really speaks to you know some of the stats that you brought up in your takeaways and how we are spending our time. We might say that we <laughs> that we want to you know go about being more like God, more like Jesus, but our schedule might say something completely different. Yeah. So, <laughs> so mind your schedule. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now we got some questions that we can ask you, the listener, and we'll answer some of these ourselves. But if you need to, you can pause after each question and think about it and uh, start hit play again after you've thought about your answer. And if you want to answer these questions and send them in to us, you can. We'd love to hear it. Yeah. A podcast at wschurch.net. Yes. Obviously, we're not requiring you to, but (laughs) we'd enjoy reading it. (laughs) All right. So number one, Practice is essential to be successful in sports, the arts, or any craft. What things in life take lots of practice to become good at? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, this is something that I really try and emphasize to to my boys, and that is, you know, 
specifically sports. <laughs> My youngest loves playing all sorts of different sports, and you know he'll go from season to season and not practice one of the sports, you know, while he's playing other sports. And basketball season is getting ready to start, you know, little league basketball, and and so he got out and shot on our goal at the house for the first time. And apparently he was shooting it over the backboard and just thought that he was terrible. You know, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not anymore. I'm not any good at basketball anymore. He would, he would fret over. And, uh, and, you know, once, once we got out there and, you know, shot around and played some, played some fun games and you know, he kind of got the, got the hang of it again. And so, yeah, you know, practicing that, you know, is, is essential now. If you don't go for a while without practicing, then you get rusty. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like anything else, but I don't know. Maybe something else would be driving. <laughs> that, that's exactly what I was thinking. I've got a daughter who who's trying to learn how to drive, and I think about how much focus she has to put in to yeah. just do the basics <laughs> that come kind of second nature now yeah. to most people. Yeah, yeah. As far as you know, spiritual practices go. You know, we mentioned spiritual disciplines and, and, you know, another way to think about spiritual disciplines is spiritual exercises might be a way that that verse in first Timothy can be translated, you know, to exercise yourself for godliness. And the, the idea there is, you know, it's not something that will come easily, most likely. Mm-hmm. I mean, whenever, whenever you're practicing things for spiritual formation, it's it's like our physical muscles that they're resistant to being broke down. <laughs> mm-hmm. It hurts whenever they are broke down. You might be sore and you might think, I never want to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> and so it takes it takes practice. It's not something that you can just uh, say, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna start reading my Bible every day. And then, you know, you miss a day and you beat yourself up and you know, it, it might take practice as far as like setting an alarm to do so. Uh, and, you know, you think, oh, man, you know, I, I lost so much time because I was having to, you know, do my daily Bible reading. And and so you might be tempted away from it for various reasons. And so it definitely takes practice in our in our spiritual growth as well. It's not something that comes easy mm, to get uh, good at. I, I think of prayer and just trying to get myself to pray, you know, first thing when I wake up in mm. the morning. Um, that is a surprisingly difficult thing to start (laughs) if you're not already doing it. And so like one of the things I had to do was my morning alarm. It says, you know, it goes off and it says, or it actually has the, the prayer hands that I see first thing when my alarm goes off. So it reminds me and it, I still need to be reminded a lot of times yeah. from that. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. So definitely. It, you, we've got the technology. Yeah. Why not take advantage yeah, of it? Yeah, to help. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, now another spiritual discipline that he does mention in the Sermon on the Mount is that of fasting. And, I mean, that is that is one that I might find more difficult than any of the other disciplines. And it's one of those things that the first time – you decide to spiritually fast and skip a meal or skip a snack, whatever it might be, and you're used to having food in your system, but instead you've decided to spend that time in prayer and in Bible reading and in serving somebody else that's in need, whatever it might be to fill that void, or whether it's just to be still, be silent, and be with God in prayer and Bible study. It is hard. It is painful. But 
the more you do it, the more regular it becomes, the more natural it seems, I guess. And so even that kind of discipline where a lot of people look at as that's crazy. You're going to skip a meal or skip a whole day of eating. It It is crazy at first and it hurts. It's terrible at first, but just like any other discipline or any other exercise, uh, the more you practice it, the better you'll become at it. You probably don't want to make one of the, or that one of the habits that you need to take 66 days to. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> All right. Next question. In life, Rain is going to come. Pain, difficulty, sadness, temptation, and struggle will flood your life. How can you build your house to withstand the rain and think about your spiritual habits? Mm. This yeah. is the one that I was referencing in my takeaways. The The quote that was one of my takeaways was this, practicing the presence of God creates an environment that can withstand any storm. And so I think that's one answer to how you can build your house to withstand the rain is that constant practicing the presence of God and mm-hmm. the little things, as you mentioned. So there's actually three questions to this one main question. So I'll read the other two and we'll put all those together. The question B is, what are the major voices influencing your life? And question C How do you know that you are building on the rock and not on sand? Mm. I read this and I thought, that's kind of a difficult question to answer. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. I mean, yeah, I broke it down. (laughs) Yeah, we broke it down in our notes to to be nice and, you know, ABC. But, you know, all these things go back to, you know, that, I guess, metaphoric rain or storm in your Mm -hmm. life, if you will, of pain, difficulty, sadness, temptation. And so those major influences, at least in, in my life, it's it's such a loud culture that we live in. You know, maybe one of the main influencers that that I experience that I have to constantly push back against is is news, whether that's coming through social media or I I just had to turn off like national news. Yeah. Like, I it's been it's been months and months since I've since I've even listened to stuff like that. And and so it, it can be so just depressing. And so that that would be one of the major influences that that I found in my life that I had to just separate myself from. Mm-hmm. How about you? Well you talk about news. I think for me I noticed a while back that politics was mm-hmm. that for me which is part of news, but right. I, I realized how frustrated I would get with politics. And so I just told myself, I'm going to stop following it. And life's a whole lot easier now. <laughs> yeah. Which is what national news has really turned into. I mean, you turn it on to any, it doesn't matter, you know, which side you sway towards politically, you turn it on to a national news channel and it's going to be about politics. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. completely flooded the news cycle. And so uh, it definitely influences us and, if we're not careful, we'll get trapped into letting that consume our thoughts and forget who is the king. Yes. <laughs> and forget, you know, who we are following and, you know, get so bent on, you know, a, a particular political party or bent on, you know, nationalism or patriotism, which are not evil in and of themselves. But whenever whenever we just drown ourselves in that language, in that rhetoric, it's easy to lose sight of. Wait, I'm I'm not a citizen of this world. Right. <laughs> yep. And that kind of goes into the next part of that question. 
how do you know that you're building on the rock and not on the sand? Mm. I think that, um, like I was talking about earlier, just kind of stop paying attention to politics. Mm-hmm. It's like, just give things up. If you're giving things up, which was talked about in the sermon about not doing more, but wanting less. It's like, if we're willing to give up those things and give those to God, the more things we're willing to give to God, I think helps us know that we're building our house on the rock. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think, you know, it also to piggyback off of that is, you know, whenever, whenever we are having one of those periods in life where there is just a ton of rain, there's a storm coming down and, and there is pain difficulty. Where is our natural inclination to turn to, Mm -hmm. um, you know, is our natural inclination to lean into, I don't know, junk food. Like I'm feeling depressed, so I'm going to go, you know, get a ton of junk food. Or or might just, you know, be the opposite of that and not eating anything, starving mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, where are we where are we turning our mind to whenever there's, you know, difficulty in life? Are we trying to numb that difficulty with uh, a comedy movie? So that we <laughs> we can't mourn, you know. Mm. And so, what what are we turning to? And so, I think to answer that question, how you know if you're building it on the rock and not the sand, is are we leaning into are we leaning into the Spirit's guidance in these times of storm? Are we are we fixing our eyes on Jesus as the Hebrew writer mentions? Are we are we turning to God? And so, I think those storms are a great indicator of where we are building our house. Very good. All right. So what have you learned from each major section of the Sermon on the Mount and how do you plan to put them into practice? So we have, I guess, all the major sections listed here and we can just name these off. And I'm probably not going to comment on any of these. I don't know if you'll want to, Casey, or not. Yeah. So we could we could look at this as a reflective question, as as we mentioned earlier, and maybe you could pause pause the podcast after each of these sections and just kind of think, you know, what what key verse or idea or phrase stuck out sticks out to me in this particular section. And there's eleven of them. And so we'll we'll go through these 11 sections which I think is a good logical breakdown of of the sermon as a whole and and just think about how you can how you can put them into practice. All right. So, first one, be attitudes, which you can find at the very beginning in chapter 5. Mm-hmm. So, being salt and light, anger, lust, sex and marriage, truth, covenant keeping and lies retaliation and love of enemy, righteousness in life and prayer, worry and material things, judging, true and false ways and people, wise and foolish builders. All right, that's 11 of them. So I'm, I'm curious, and I'll put you on the spot here. Yeah. So do you have a favorite section? When you say favorite, do you mean... What maybe I need to work on mem- the most, maybe most memorable, most memorable, probably the Beatitudes mm-hmm. and love of enemy. Okay. okay. Yeah. What about you? Probably being salt and light. And I, I, the only reason that I can think of that that might be the most memorable to me is it's got that, I guess that tangible or at least visual aid to what we're supposed to be. I mean, mm-hmm. you know. You know, you can think of a salt shaker. And I still remember one of the illustrations that was used whenever he 
talked about this particular section of the Sermon on the Mount, and and that is if you if you have your you know your raw steak or, or you know food or whatever sitting next to the salt shaker, it's not going to do anything as long as it stays in the yeah. stays in the salt <laughs> shaker. It has to be has to be put on the meat to do its work, and so it's just a great great short section with a very tangible visual aid of of what Jesus is calling us to be, and it's it kind of kicks off the sermon right out right out of the gate from the introduction of the beatitudes mm-hmm. you know, be salt and light so we're interested to hear what maybe your favorite section is or maybe some of the key takeaways key things that you learned from one or all of these sections and how you plan to put them into practice we'd love to hear from you podcast at wschurch.net and that that's it Yep. We're, we're here at the close of this episode. So that means we have a challenge. We do. And since we're at the end of the season, it can be more than a week. That's true. Or chal- this is more than a challenge for the week, I guess I'll say. That's true. <laughs> so af- with those things listed that we just talked about, ask yourself or tell yourself, I commit to setting spiritual goals to work on blank by developing the habit of blank. Hmm. Is, right. is there anything that you've read that you think that you need to work on the most? Uh, yeah. So this is a good fill-in-the-blank challenge. I don't know if we've had a fill-in-the-blank challenge before. So this this probably made me think a little bit more than, than previous challenges. Not to say that it's more of a difficult challenge, but it, it caused me to fill in the blank. And so I would fill in those blanks by saying I commit to setting spiritual goals to work on practicing the presence of God as we talked about in this episode, and that is by developing the habit of praying scripture. Whenever I, you know, think about words that I've tried to put on my heart through meditating on them, through memorizing them, not just regurgitating them and not thinking about what they say, but practicing God's presence through his word and reflecting on it and allowing it to mold me and to change me and not just to be something that I can check off and say, I've done it today. All right. How about you? I think for me, it's one of the Beatitudes, but I commit to setting spiritual goals to work on humility by developing a habit of pointing all I do to God and giving other people credit for things. You know, I've been reading through Philippians and at the very beginning of Philippians, it's written, which Paul wrote the letter, but at the very beginning, he writes Paul and Timothy, and he gives Timothy credit. But if you read the letter, it's Paul writing it, but he's giving Timothy credit. I'm sure Timothy helped him with it, <laughs> but it's like he didn't want the focus put on him. He he wanted to give Timothy some credit too. Yeah. <laughs> so I need to develop the habit of giving other people credit, but mostly give credit to God. All right. Very good. So what is your challenge for this week. We encourage you to think about that, write it down, write what you're wanting to work on and how you plan to develop that habit. So that's the final episode for this season. Yeah, that's it. So we have loved being with you through this platform of Outside the Walls podcast. We've enjoyed reflecting on the Sermon on the Mount with you, and we pray that you'll seek to live it out each day of your life. And we'll plan on getting a new season going here uh, soon. It won't be immediately, but we hope that you will subscribe to the podcast. And when you do that, that will uh, give you the notification for when we do start the next season. 
season and when we drop that next episode. And so we want you to be notified when that happens. And so if you have not subscribed, we encourage you to do so. And we'd love to hear from you again. Our email is podcast at wschurch.net. And so until next time, love you guys. Love you.